0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matthew Chute, David Matthew Chute. I'm coming to you now as the Climate Buddha. There's been so many things going on that have had little to do with the climate and that the decision to comment on the United States political situation and the existence of the pandemic and the questions of whether or not uh, you know, society itself can handle the uh, stress of these factors. You know, these things have not been of great uh, interest to, for me to talk about. I, I felt that the information that we're all functioning on is so difficult to sort through, and so difficult to verify, and so time-consuming to sort through, verify, and use as part of your podcast, that for me to stand there and say, there's evidence of a, you know, a election, Uh, if there's evidence of that, if there's some sort of election problem, then the chances of me being correct about that evidence just seem really Remote. The informational world, especially about this election problem and the political problem in the United States, the information flow is so poor and so difficult to sort through. And then, of course, you have the fanboys, the people who have taken a piece of information that they feel is valuable and become a, a, uh, a fan of that and are presenting that to their friends and talking up the issue and all the other associated social aspects of what politics is which is a you know a huge you know debate like communication system where you're competing with other people's political systems with your debate skills this has not fallen on the uh, highly organized and well-funded consu- conservative movement where basically they're turning uh, average people with very little interest and or intellect into expert debaters on various political issues where you could say something about a political issue and they'd have a quick answer to that that would be difficult to you know respond to and this of course is the hallmark of a good of a good professional debater of a good college level debate captain someone who is winning debater points on their point of view by placing the other person on a defensive. This is the the communication problem that uh, democracy faces, uh, is that we are in a democratic system here where we're... Supposedly, in a competition for the for the rightest rights for the smartest smarts and for the best decisions, but it turns out it 's got nothing to do with that it 's got to do with how well you can amass persuasive power, how well can you form your argument how how much money will it take to convince a certain number of people similar to the way you know a tied commercial functions or a, a uh, infomercial works. That this is our political system. This is, this is simply no way to run it. This is just no way to run the world. This is uh, about the education of uh, generations and generations ago. It turns out historically that the intelligentsia all the way back into Jesus' time, the intelligentsia studied rhetoric, which was essentially this, the, this is the process that we're seeing on the television to this day, of highly trained, you know, people who are able to use the language uh, in their best interest uh, and whether or not they're using the language in the best interest of all of us, uh, of all of our needs, of our, of, our, of our nation's needs, of the world's needs. Uh, the communications ethics are irrelevant. It's just the mechanism of persuasion. That has taken taken over. It's like he, whatever's the most persuasive, you know, seems to be policy. And if 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 the policy is not persuasive, then there's an entire corollary of, of finding a way to persuade people that it, that it's a good one. Anyways, the solution to this is hashtag instant radical change. And the first thing that we need to do to take over our democracy is to turn over all forms of news to the state college system. The uh, colleges are there for a reason, uh, not just to make money and put students into debt. They have a a deep and important role in our democracy, a deep and important role in public policy development that's being ignored, overlooked, and transformed into a money-making machine So if we actually freed up our college-aged students with no student debt, with college preferences um, based on uh, what their dreams are and their abilities are, uh, then then we we would see that there's a huge resource that's simply not being tapped for understanding the news, understanding current affairs, and understanding policies that are best for, for humanity. The idea that we can make money on, on information is the reason why The Climate Buddha uh, has a podcast. Although I, I haven't made any money, it certainly would be a great, you know, career to be a professional podcaster. I, I would love to continue to do these and, and, you know, episodes like this and other forms of entertainment. This is a good job. So, I mean, the rest of the media universe has all discovered that the people that are on television they have a great time doing their jobs and getting paid and talking in front of the camera and it turns out that this really good high paid fun job that everybody seems to want to have uh is pretty much destroying the place uh, there's just no way to it 's no way to run the world uh, there's just no way that the Information and the economic benefits from providing that information, there's no way that that com- combination of the two is going to arrive at truth. So if we removed the economic motivation for information and said, you know, there are people with small audiences and small reaches, etc., that can continue to function within the system, but the mainstream news has to be agreed upon with our state college system and that the state college system would be devoting its time or some of its time and aff- efforts to produce uh, the, the nightly news. And the nightly news would consist of what that state college's most intellectually um, advanced people believe are the issues of the day and sort through the misinformation issues so that we can start to function as an educated democracy. And when I say we start to function as an educated democracy, it's, it's incredible how much of the, the human condition, the tribal human condition revolves around having the shared belief systems where everybody's in the same team and we're all talking about the same thing and how we're at the same church with the same philosophy and and that we're hanging around with people with similar political views and there are people who don't have your political views and they're on the outside group and there are people who don't have your religious views and they're on the outsides and there's the inside the in group and the out group And the in group and the out group of that information um can, can turn violent when you say oh, this is xenophobia this there's people who are not only don't believe what we do but they're they're inherently evil because they're different than us uh, in fact they have strange sexual behaviors where they, they have sex with children and they, they, they have rituals and they do all sorts of evil things. This in-group, out-group, a xenophobic process uh, has manifested itself in, in political struggle uh, over the generations. The, there was always smears against your political opponent and this is no way to run the place. This is just no way to run the place. You know, to sit there and call um, our current leadership, you know, uh, some sort of, you know, name and say he's a bad person. You know, this this whole thing was was just no way to run the place. The problem is, is that we're focusing on the, the people instead of the policies that the people carry with them. The policies that the people that we elect carry with them, for the most part, aren't known by the voters, they're under some sort of rubric, like, oh, he's a conservative, or, you know, he's a liberal, or he's a radical, or some sort. And then we think we know what these people represent. And it's just its just not true. These labels, no matter what the labels are, just simply do not accurately represent the, the bucket of policies that we get when we elect someone. It, it, it's incredible, the bedfellows that come with the... Uh, you know the folks who are you know hell bent on on making abortion illegal. It's just it's just what they'll they'll vote for Genghis Khan to take over the world by slaughtering people by knives just so that we can uh, 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 stop abortion. This is no way to run the world. This is just no way to run it. Is to have these emotional issues that you think your candidate's going to support, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and have that bucket of other policies that come with that, and specifically their economic policies. So, here's the climate Buddha talking to you now about economic policy. Am I an economist? Oh, I took, econo- uh, I took this in college, etc. But I don't consider myself to be an economist. And, and uh, I am astutely aware of the political system because I have a solution to the political problems called instant radical change and distribute power. So, I've studied these systems and I've studied the economic system and it turns out that the economic system, as it's in its current form of international capitalism, simply needs to grow. It just just needs to grow. It's just based on growth and it's infinite growth they call it. And your economic system, if it's based on infinite growth on a finite planet where there's only so much stuff that we can extract For how long? And is this system in general the correct way of of relating to our environment? All these questions are not being answered because the economic system keeps... So as a result, the climate Buddha, you know, is an economist. So the way to, to understand the voting system is to realize that you're getting an economic philosophy that you just don't get to talk about. You don't get to ask the candidates their deep philosophical viewpoints of how an economy needs to run. But we call these various philosophies different names. One's called neoliberal uh, uh, economic policies, which is which is obscene. This is a classic example of rhetoric and and debate. Neoliberal uh, economic policies are, are not liberal at all. And they're 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 associating negativity with the liberal community in the same way that the National Socialist Nazi Party wasn't fascist. You know, they, this is just a that Fox News is actually about news. Fox News is not about news. This is about you know news entertainment. They have the right to lie to you because they they define themselves in a legally specific way that makes it sound like they're offering news, but they have no. They have no reason to offer news. They only have reason to offer things that make them money and to succeed at their political goals. This is no way to run the world, to have a media outlet that's devoted to promoting one particular point of view to the exclusion of all else. There's no way to run the world when you have a candidate who talks endlessly about the emotional issues of, 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 of abortion and then says, you know, what you get is neoliberal capitalism from me. And you have an endless destruction of the environment from me. And from me, you have endless amount of concentrations of power in the military and the police from me. But you get this neoliberal, but what you're getting is the one issue that you may understand or care about. This is no way to run the world. This is just no way to run the world. This is tribal manipulation through, through single-issue manipulation of your emotion and intellectual states. These single-issue voting processes, just, there's just no way to, to, to run the planet. It's no way to make policy that makes sense. The only thing it does, and successfully so, is, is continue to exalt in concentrations of power. The, the world's religions are obsessed with concentrating power with one pope, with one preacher, with one Joel Olstein, highly skilled orator, who's great. I didn't say he wasn't great at what he did. I'm saying that we as a species are powerless in the face of these oratory geniuses. And they build audiences because of their oratory skill. And we all look and marvel and say, wow, there's millions and millions of people who enjoy listening to this man talk. And this seems normal because our churches are about that, about the fantasies of every priest and minister and the entire planet is to have a ginormous congregation listen carefully to everything that they have to say. This is human frailty at an exponential level because now we have the internet, mass media, and television sets, which are so clear at four K and so auditorily, you know, resonant that you can hear a pin drop and and this type of immersive experience that we're getting from our media these days makes blending reality from talking to the person next door to you and listening to some talking head on the television talk to us that that reality has become so blurred that people are completely unable to differentiate tv reality from reality this is a human problem this is a human condition this is a problem that monkeys watch tv too this is a situation where there, the process of entertainment, what we think is fascinating, has taken over the political process and made effective decision-making, collective decision-making, an obsession with concentrating power, with one person's opinion on something. I didn't say that Rush Limbaugh was always wrong. I didn't say that. I didn't say that Bill O'Reilly was always wrong. I didn't say that John Stewart Was always wrong. But all of these very, very watchable people, all of these very attractive media figures with incredibly sophisticated viewpoints, are just one vote. They're just one vote. But they've multiplied the power of their vote through this persuasive model to make it sound like their one vote is millions of votes. This is no way to run the place. Just because you understand one person's philosophy, be it uh, a political philosophical salesman or a religious philosophical salesman, once you devote your time to understanding another man's philosophy deeply, you're no longer seeking a philosophy that, that other than that, you're not searching for other philosophies. You're done with that. You've got it figured out. You're going to listen to everything that this guy says and you're going to become... You know, enlightened in that guy's philosophy. Well, I've done this. I call myself the climate Buddha because I lived in a Buddhist center for three or four years. I practiced that particular form of Buddhism deeply. I have many thousands and thousands of hours in meditative experience. I taught meditation to the incarcerated. I taught meditation with the VA, volunteered for free, I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of teaching Qigong and Tai Chi movement meditation. I'm a golf professional. I've got thousands and thousands of hours of teaching people how to play golf. I'm a frisbee golf professional. I've got hundreds of hours of teaching people uh, frisbee. My frisbee disc career is a little bit uh, smaller. I have sp- I've spent my entire life teaching people on a very deep, way to uh, to attain uh, their their best and it turns out it's different <clears throat> with each person. there is no one philosophy every philosophy has to be adjusted to, and and that the the seeking process of that philosophy and and the realization of it the work of Kushmunde and the, some of the other thinkers who said, Wait a minute you know it's not about following another man's philosophy. It's about creating our own philosophy through experience and in, in, in work. Well, trying to understand the political situation, uh, which started this podcast with me musing about the difficulty of commenting on our current political situation, because the information is so difficult to uh, sort through, to have faith in, and to believe in, and to say, you know, this is a conclusion that I can draw Um, my next you know political decision from my next vote this this is it doesn't exist it's not happening now the system itself its obsession with concentrating power its ability to manipulate uh, the monkey mind through the magic of of verbal acuity and the uh, unbelievable failure of the democratic system representational governmental system from actually matching policy uh, with what you're voting for Uh, and that we uh, are adults now, that we don't need uh, a great father in the sky telling us what to vote on. Uh, We don't need one concentration of power on the radio, TV, or the pulpit telling us who to vote for. We can make decisions on policy independent of these people. They are just one vote in reality. They've just increased the power of their vote through an obsession with concentrations of power. And what we've now realized that the entire abrupt climate change community, the entire community that looks at the Arctic, the entire community that says, wait a minute, we've got tipping points that have passed and we are self-reinforcing feedback loops. There's a big problem out there. This isn't a small problem. And we're watching from the perspective of knowing that our days of having a livable climate for everybody are numbered. And we're quibbling and quabbling with this ridiculous political system that was created through the obsession with concentrations of power that continue to this day as part of our species' greatest flaw. So no more monuments to our great flaws. Let's figure out a way to distribute power, distribute the largesse of of our economic system and distribute it in a way where everybody gets a universally aligned wage that we are no longer going to be slaves to anybody. The entire planet, if you're a human, you now have a universally aligned wage that takes care of your needs for wherever you're at. Your needs are gonna be taken care of. It's gonna be part of the system that that everything else is built from. That's an economic system that's a little different, that we take what people need first, figure out how much that costs, what that is in, in supplies, materials, And engineer the entire economic system from human needs. Once the economic system is engineered and that basis is taken care of, or all humans are taken care of, then the next thing we need to deal with is how to deal with with the climate change. We've got to figure out what to do about that collectively. And that's going to require participation by all of us because all of us are going to be receiving the, the consequences of this. There's nobody who's going to get out of this one. I don't care how rich you are. You're going to be, you're going to be dealing with this. you have only got one vote. So now that you've only got one vote, the question is: you need to vote more. Is that that the one vote that we've got needs to vote on whether we should make abortion illegal, whether we should uh, invade Iran, whether we should go and posture with China over money, whether we should uh, allow nuclear reactors to be built on fault lines, whether we should uh, allow major league sports to outlaw their unions, whether we should make any sort of decision that your legislature is making right now. There's an internet now. We can have a direct democracy where policies are being decided upon. Give everybody a universal wage. This is being done to some extent in Switzerland right now. Everything that I'm talking about is not really that radical. It just needs to be done amongst the most important country in the planet, and that's ours. We've got so many military bases. We have the finger on every single person's life through nuclear annihilation. We have, we, this country, United States, the greatest country in the world, has a lot of power. And it's concentrated amongst one person or two people who are at the top of that heap. It's ridiculous. Think about that. Think about that think about that for a minute that somehow tribal organizations you know that somehow this makes sense to take a trillion dollars and 30,000 nuclear weapons and a multi-trillion dollar military and give it to one person and say yeah do what you want with that think about that think about the insanity of that that has to change all this has to change The weapons of the state are too powerful. The police are too informed. Every police officer now has got the equivalent of the CIA officer from 10 years ago. It's just ridiculous. This information power disparity has to stop. This power obsession with concentrating it amongst the military and the police has to stop. This concentration of power in the political category has to stop. All of this needs to change. Instant radical change is a realization that we need to distribute power and do it now because we have difficult decisions to make that involve all of us in association with a changing climate that's going to change everything, whether we like it or not. My name is Matthew Chutum, the, Pla- the Climate Buddha. I hope you enjoyed my podcast. I look forward to producing some more of these for you, but uh, it's been difficult with the current uh, informational uh, flow, and uh, I hope that I had something to offer. Uh, the universe with this.